Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. It is 105 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Oilers Now brought to you by Digitex. We wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Guests in Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Now open for dine-in and takeout options. Full details at jvedmonton.ca. You can uh, text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, or uh, you can uh, visit them as well, ashleyfinefloors.com. Open Monday through Saturday. All right, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. We welcome back to the show. From the Cult of Hockey, David Staples, who is also the Post Media's Edmonton-based writer for all things related to the pandemic. David, how are you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Uh, Some updated numbers. As of yesterday, the province of Alberta at 69.4%, 12-plus in the province with their first shot, 69.7%. Are 69.4%, 22% have already got their second shot, 12-plus in the province. Uh, Edmonton down, Edmonton Health Zone down to six, 660 active cases, uh, just 25 new cases uh, reported yesterday. Uh, 72 people in the hospital, 22 people in ICU. And the province of Alberta has uh, had 3.48 million uh, uh, shots uh, go out right now. David, why is that 69.4% number important for everybody here in the province? Well, uh, when we get to uh, 70%, Bob, the provincial government has announced it's going to lift almost all major, almost all lockdown restrictions, period, including the provincial mask mandate. Um, You'll be able to have big events. You'll be able to have, um, presumably, indoor concerts. Uh, definitely outdoor concerts. Um, we're going to be, in terms of how we can live our lives in legal fashion, we can get back to the old world, back to the old normal. You know, things have changed forever, so it's not going to be quite the same. We've all been altered, but we can get our old lives back in significant fashion. So it's it's huge news for Alberta. I expect that uh, based on the rate that we're, we're getting, maybe about um, 5,000 a day, I think we're about 20,000 short. We'll get there probably by the end of the week. 70%. And then they need, what, two weeks from that point? Is that kind of how it's structured? And then then they'll open it up? Okay. To let the the last people who got that vaccine, let the full impact of the protection of the vaccine sink in with those people, and we're, we're good to go. Uh, now, you say the provincial mass mandate gets lifted. That still doesn't mean the municipalities have to change their rules, does it? 
It does not. So the city, uh, every place, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, will has their own rules in place. I, I hope that, personally, I hope that Edmonton City Council um, lifts the mask mandate as well. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, we've heard from the Centre of Disease Control that certainly vaccinated people, they're saying vaccinated people indoors do not need to wear a mask in the United States. That's the leading health authority down there. Um, I, I think that um, that it's it's safe to do so. I hope they do it, but um, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what their decision is. Do you think it becomes political, given who their respective mayors are in Edmonton and in... Um Edmonton and in Calgary? They're both kind of out, outgoing um, mayors. Um, so they'll, uh, I would expect both there on kind of the side of caution, of, and I would say of unnecessary caution at this point. Uh, you know, others, others w- will say no. We need to have that feeling of safety, and uh, they'll bring up reasons. So, yeah, it's, it will be a political decision, and uh, I would expect the mass mandates to remain in place in Edmonton and Calgary this summer, if I was predicting, based on the politics of the both, both of those city councils. Even though the province is going to lift it? Yes, and we, we've seen this before. Like, the province was last to bring in the provincial mask mandate, and the cities had already acted uh, before the province acted. So, the, the, you know, the province has a different... They're more... A um, bit more... Uh, tilting the balance towards opening things up, getting our lives back to normal, getting business going, having that as the focus, and other people put more of a priority on being uh, extra safe. All right, so we're going to be at 70%, uh, 12-plus first shot, probably within four to five days. Realistically, because we're improving by north of a percent per day on the second shot, we could be by at 50% fully vaccinated within a month, David. So we'd be at like 70, by that point, probably 75 and 50. Countries like Israel reopened up their economies totally when that happened. The United States hasn't even needed that threshold. This is going to be interesting. Could you see them moving the goalposts a bit here? It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it be, it's based on the temperament and the, the, the politics of the various groups of people. And various groups of people see the world in different ways. In Texas, they're more freewheeling and you know, more, more sure. risk-taking. So they've opened up earlier. And in England, they're more cautious. And you know, they've got a bigger prudent streak. And even though they've got high vaccination there, they're not, they're not opening up. And Bob, I want to make one point because I think it's incumbent on me to make this. Because I, I have been extremely critical of Justin Trudeau in terms of vaccination procurement. Uh, I think I used the word disgrace as recently as three months ago. And, and it was it was it was bad initially, but I got to give him credit, the, the federal government credit. Um, they have stepped up. We have had the same rate of vaccine vaccine procurement same uh, per population as as the leading countries like the UK and the USA in since March 1st. So, um, you know, he deserves credit for that. Full credit. Yeah, I'm going to be really intrigued to see. This is going to relate to sports. The Edmonton uh, Elks, they got a pre uh, regular season game first week of August. Do you envision that they'll, you know, they'll be they'll be able to have full bore, you know, if they can get 30,000 fans, 35,000, 40,000, they'll be able to do that. Now it is outside. The preponderance of evidence about the out- outdoors has been really apparent since the start of the pandemic, and, and transmission has been rare. 
exceedingly rare outdoors. It's probably been safe outdoors. You know, we all blew a gasket. Many of us blew a gasket about the outdoor rodeo a few months ago. It was probably a safe event. Outdoor protests, people have raised the idea, oh, it's not safe all along. You know, on both sides of the political spectrum, there's been outdoor protests. They probably all have been uh, safe events. So when it comes to these outdoor events, we've probably been overcautious all along. That seems to be what the scientists has told us and it continues to tell us. So I don't see why would we have any major concern about a a big crowd in an outdoor football game, especially with this super high vaccination rate that we're starting to get to. By then we might be at, you know, 75, 80% first dose and who knows what second dose. So I, uh, yeah, they should be able to go for it without any trouble at all. Well, and the Oilers, you know, I'm going to say October. I think John Shannon said October 12th. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see where that goes for the start of next season and also how the border situation is going to work at that time. Like, is there going to be an expectation that everybody that comes up from the U.S. with an American team that's going to play in camp, everybody's going to be vaccinated on that plane or with that team? I, I, don't, I don't have that answer for you, David. To me, it's going to be a really interesting story. Bob, we're seeing full houses, are we not, in some U.S. jurisdictions? It looks like that to me. Maybe there, maybe it's like there's cardboard fans in every second seat. But it, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're seeing some uh, full capacities now in some indoor arenas in the United States. Yes. And um, I, I, we're not having massive outbreaks down there uh, because of that in, in these uh, huge explosions of out, indoor energy, you know, with people yelling loudly, uh, projecting, you know, their voice into space. So, uh, and they have less vaccination level than we do in terms of first doses. So it seems to be like, fingers crossed, like these big indoor events are going to be able to go ahead because of this, the miracle of the vaccine. All right, let's get to some hockey stuff. Uh, we just had uh, Brian Lawton on uh, the news out of James Myrtle from the Athletic today on Zach Hyman. Brian suggested he thought Hyman would be a good fit in Edmonton. I asked him, Hyman, Hall, Nugent Hopkins, or other. Let's start with Ryan Nugent Hopkins because there's still time and a window there to get something done on, on, on his front. Give me a contract range and term that makes sense to you. And you can give me a couple different options if you want, David. I think if, if Nuge, it, it's hard to know. Like it, 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 it ha, Some of it has to depend on what he wants. If he wants to get a raise and a big, uh, let's say he wants a raise, I think the Oilers can accommodate that. But then there, there would have to be uh, major backing away of term. So if he, if he wants more um, security and safety, then there has to be a backing away in terms of how much he's going to get paid each year. And I think a reasonable thing, like let's say it was a one-year deal. Well, you'd give him $7 million, some $1 million raise on a one-year deal. Two years, you might go to 6.5. And you kind of, it goes from there, where if you get, and you get up to four years, you'd, he'd be getting at $5.5 million. And And Bob, I think it would be not prudent. Like if I'm, comp- I, I like the player a lot and I hate to say this, but just there's a there was a big question mark about him in terms of his even strength scoring and production and and it's it's it hasn't been at the highest elite level throughout his career and then this year it took a big dip so i'm not comfortable with personally with more than 4 years i, I imagine if they went 5 i wouldn't be freaking out but i just i i'm worried about term when you've already seen a dip in a player's production uh in a single season for instance hyman this past year he scored 2.5 points per 60 
Nuge was half that, 1.2 points per 60. Thomas Tatar was at 2.1 per 60. And Mason Appleton, who might be going to Seattle in expansion and could be had in a trade possibly with Winnipeg. He was at two points per 60. Mason Appleton's a young player heading into his prime. Um, Winnipeg could lose him to expansion. The Oilers target that kind of player. Over the next five years, do I think Mason Appleton will outscore Ryan Nugent Hopkins at even strength? I do. And because um, he's heading into his prime and Nugent's heading out of it. So the Oilers have to be careful about term. Are you concerned with a drop-off at all with RNH? Some of his underlying numbers were encouraging. He he was in on a lot of scoring chances. He made a lot of plays to create a lot of grade-A chances. He was one of the best that even strengthened the team with the Oilers, and, and they didn't turn out to be points. But he was also playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl a lot. So he had pretty choice line mates. I am concerned about what happened this last year with his even strength production, yeah. And and he's a solid defensive winger uh, in a top-line capacity, strong power player, excellent power player. Uh, but that even strength scoring, I mean, the oomph wasn't there. You, he, you, we've ta- you've talked about, we've talked about the lack of primary assists that he had all season long. He just wasn't in the middle. He wasn't driving things or even, even really in a kind of a complimentary way, helping out a great deal to put up goals. So, yeah, I think it's something to keep your eyes on. Five-year deal. Five-year deal. What would you pay him? Five a year. No like, chance. No yeah, chance. Well, th- he wouldn't take that, and so that, that's that's. And I would say, okay, well. But that's okay. That's where. That's where. If, if it's me, I'd say you can go check the market. Then the offer, we'll get back to you after that. That's All what right. I would do. But and I know that would probably. I agree. It would mean probably mean he walks. Because I, again, I listed four teams I, like Columbus and Seattle have always made sense to me. Columbus is looking for a center. Seattle's going to be looking for offense. L.A., we know for a fact they're looking for two top six forwards, probably a second-line center. And then there's Anaheim. You know, I had somebody suggest Anaheim to me today, and that made sense. So, you know, there's four teams right off the top of my head that I could think of that would be looking to improve that might look to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, a lot of fans express, well, Doug, you know, Dougie Hamilton's available. Edmonton should go get him. It's, and I'm not sure Dougie Hamilton would even want to play in Canada, frankly. Uh, by all reports, he's... And, and I, I have no personal experience with Dougie Hamilton, but I, I, I've heard at times he kind of likes his his personal time. And, you know, you play in Canada, there's no place to hide. Um, take me through, you know, Dougie Hamilton. And, and does Edmonton have a, an, another guy that's maybe an internal prospect that maybe needs to be looked at that could pick up a lot of that offensive juice? Well, for the first time in a long time, the Oilers kind of have a pretty solid right defense, don't they? I mean, if they re-sign Adam Larson, which I think they do. I think playoff teams, uh, unless something changes, they're going to need that big, rugged, tough uh, defenseman uh, on the right side. That's Adam Larson. You have Ethan Bear, who's a solid, um, you know, sometimes second pair, sometimes third pairing op- option. We already the owners already blocked Evan Bouchard uh, when they signed Tyson Berry this year. I think it was a prudent move to sign Tyson Berry because they weren't sure about Bouchard. Maybe by the time training camp came around, came around it and through the regular uh-huh. season, uh-huh. we might have wished that the Oilers had invested in a, in a forward as opposed to a defenseman and played Evan Bouchard. Might have helped the Oilers this year to block Evan Bouchard again. Bob is uh, it. I don't get it at all. So some people say, well, you could pick Dougie Hamilton over Adam Larson. 
uh, you're going to be paying Dougie Hamilton probably about $7 million a year. Larson's going to be considerably less than that. And in terms of where the Oilers need to spend their cap money on, they've got big problems on the wing. And they've got to, I think they have, they're going to have to invest in another goalie in the next year, probably pay for that. They might have a problem at left defense, uh, depending on Oscar Clefbaum. But the money's got to go to forward and goalie. And, and right D, that's, it's the last priority of the major priorities on the team right now. You know, it's interesting with Dougie Hamilton. Remember how in, in, intrigued people were in the past in Jacob Markstrom and Oliver Ekman Lars? <laughs> yes. Last year, uh, last off season, which came in October, we were all talking about Oliver Ekman Larson, and there was a lot of excitement about him possibly coming to Edmonton. People, many people. Uh, Pundits, fans were in favor of that. They were especially in favor of it when when, the, when it was the price was probably going to be a first round draft pick for Oliver Ekman Larson, and then it came out that possibly they would want Evan Bouchard and a first round draft pick. Well, I, I had never been excited about Ekman Larson because I'm generally not excited about giving long term contracts to players heading into their 30s, especially deep into their 30s. He's got I think seven years left at eight point. Two million, and even then he had taken a slip in his play, just like Nuge did this year. Took a, he had already seen you could see a statistical slip in his play, and this year, this past year, that continued. He he got beat out for the top left D man on his team by Jacob Chikrin. So I just think uh, we dodged a bullet there, and that's a bit of a cautionary tale um, about going long term with players who are just starting to slip a little bit and heading to their thirties. David Staples, Cult of Hockey. David, what's been Ken Holland's best move so far? Bob, um, I, I think it, it's there, there's been a couple really good ones. There's been Mike Smith. Uh, but I think it's Tippett's faith in Mike Smith, so I kind of put that in the Dave Tippett category. I just think, you know, Ken Holland has gotten some criticism. He gets criticism about his pro scouting and about his analytics. I think some of that is valid. But I think his best move was the work he did with Yesapuliarvi. I just think that's, that, to me, screamed out his experience, vast experience as a manager. He didn't get into a, uh, a, a you know, a, a peeing match, so to speak, with uh, the Puliyarvi camp. He was patient. He was super patient and he waited them out and he left the doors open and he got back a player who could help the Oilers immensely for the next three, four, five, six, seven years. So that's, that was his experience. So as much as we might hammer away at some of the other areas, it sure paid off there. Yeah, there's no question about it. David, how do people follow you? Uh, well, just the, our stuff's at the cult, cult of hockey and uh, for hockey at, on Twitter at D Staples. Super, David. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Bob. 123 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. We'll come back. We're going to get to some of your texts here on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Oh, it's 124 in Edmonton. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough, or payments or interest rates that are too high, or a vehicle that you might want to sell, refinance, or trade in for something different, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich Johnny in the game, at Brent Ridge Ford, or uh, you can reach them at one 877 or visit brentridge.com. 
All right, The Grinder has texted the show. Bob, it's The Grinder. A couple days ago, Tom Gazzola said uh, that he heard from a source that Taylor Hall is still looking at signing back at Edmonton. Do you think that's uh, that there's some truth uh, behind this rumor? Oh, I didn't hear Tom say that. Uh, Tom has his sources. He's quite uh, he's a good fellow. And um, in terms of, I mean, if you're looking at a place and a market, there's a team that's got the top two scores in the NHL coming. Are not coming. They've got the top two uh, scores in the NHL the last two years. They've had the best power play in the league for two straight years. What they do have coming is size on defense. We're seeing with bigger, heavier Ds that those are often the ones that have success come playoff time. Darnell Nurse has emerged as a first-pairing NHL defenseman. The Oilers are likely to re-sign Adam Larson. Larson is 6'3", Nurse is 6'4". Bouchard is going to play full-time next season, 6'2.5", right shot D that can move the puck. Let's get the highest offensive ceiling of anybody on the team. Broberg probably is going to need some time in the minors, but he's going to play. Maybe by this time next year, we're looking at Broberg, uh, it, you know, in for the 2022-23 season, a six foot four and a half inch left shot D. The Oilers have, it, it, off the top of my head, four other defense prospects that I can think of. A couple on the left side, Sam Arukov, 6'3", Nima Linen, 6'6", a couple on the right side, Kesserling, 6'6", uh, Camp at 6'3". Like, there's a chance one of those guys pans out as a, uh, Third pairing D with some size, some ranginess. So Edmonton's got, they've got a lot of defense prospects. They've got two of the best offensive players in the world. They've obviously got a good system on their power play. If I was a left wing looking for a place, and, and the Oilers have cap space, I, I, you know, I haven't spoken to Taylor Hall, but, uh, logic would dictate, and the guy knows hockey. He probably, I mean, Boston's going to do everything possible to re-sign him. But why wouldn't you look at Edmonton if you're a left wing? If you're Zach Hyman's camp and Todd Reynolds, why wouldn't you look at the Oilers? You know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is probably having that conversation with Rick Follett. You know, we're, we've got some cap space this summer. This is a good fit. So I wouldn't rule out anything at this stage of the game. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Haji says, Bob, I fully believe that Dylan Holloway will earn himself a top six left wing spot coming out of training camp. Um, I also believe that it's imperative to recognize performance no matter what the experience level is to promote a culture in which hard work pays off. If Ken Holland signs uh, two left wingers on the free agency market, he better ensure at least one of them has a pedigree consistent with an effective third liner as well. That one comes to us from Haji. Uh, Ted in Martinsville, Saskatchewan says if Nugent Hopkins wants a raise, he likely won't be back. Uh, if he's happy at say six million for five years, he'll be back. That one comes to us from Ted in Martinsville, Saskatchewan. And we've talked about this, uh, is there a sweet spot that maybe hurts the agency, like the agency's was hoping for more and, and the player is hoping for more and conversely, the team was hoping for less. Is that sweet spot in the range of six million times six years? Yeah, I don't know. Time will tell on that front. All right. You can text us at 780-496-0063. It's 128 Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. John Shannon, our NHL insider, when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.